So this morning, I am excited to share the word of the Lord with you. This may be one of the most unusual sermons that you have ever heard. Pastors are always sensitive, I think, most pastors are, uh, not wanting to offend people, not wanting to um, distance themselves from the people or do anything that um, people would not like. Um, but I will tell you this morning that I'm going to be a little bit plainer, not meaner, plainer in scripture than I usually am. And I'm going to talk about some things that most of the time I don't. And so as we um, begin the sermon this morning, just understand that I am trying this morning to be true to the scripture. I think you'll get a sense of where we're going and why I'm going there, but it will be unusual. I'm going to talk about some things you've probably never heard talked about in church before. Although if you've read your Bible all the way through, you've read these things, but you may not have heard them talked about in a church service. Our our topic this morning is going to be the holiness of God. I can't think of a bigger subject. I can't think of a more important subject than this one. Because it touches all of our lives in every aspect of our relationship with the Lord The holiness of God is arguably the most prolific, important attribute that God possesses. There's many attributes of God, the love of God, the immutability of God, the fact that he doesn't change, many things, many attributes. But this one, even the scripture indicates that this one, this is a big one. This is an important one. And it has implications for the way that I live my life. And it has implications for the way that you live your life. And so for that reason, I'm going to um, be more deliberate this morning in how I approach this topic than I usually am. And I'm going to try to minimize the shock value of some of the things I'm going to say by giving context to the word of the Lord and helping us to see what scripture actually says. I'm going to, with the help of the Lord for the next few moments, share with you a couple of aids, aids, A-I-D-S, couple of aids, things that will assist us in interpreting the Bible. Now, the first one that I'll share with you, I've shared many times before, and it's something that Bible students call the law of first mention. How many have heard of the law of first mention? If you've been here very long, you've probably heard of it because I've mentioned it many times. The law of first mention simply says this, that whenever you want to understand what the Bible says about a particular subject or particular word, then you go and find the very first time in the Bible that word is used. And usually you'll find out that that is a very significant usage of that word and it will help you apply the proper meaning to that word throughout the rest of scripture based on how it's used the very first time in the Bible. The word that I'm speaking about today is holy. Everybody say holy. The very first time, and we're going to read it in just a moment. But the very first time in the Bible that you read the word holy is not in the book of Genesis. It's in the book of Exodus. We're going to look at several scriptures this morning. They'll all be on the screen for you so that you don't have to flip through them. Uh, We can move along quicker that way. But I, um, I just wanted to share with you that the context is extremely important this first time. I will also remind you that the Bible says that how much of Scripture is given by inspiration of God? Exactly. The Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Exactly. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and righteousness, instruction and righteousness. It's, it's all, all of scripture's good stuff. Amen. I've often said there's nothing in the scripture that's off limits to a preacher. Because if it's in God's word, then, then we need to deal with it and we need to talk about it. So today, as we talk about this subject, we're going to talk about the word holiness or the word holy from which holiness comes and um, go back to the first time it's used in the scripture. Look at that fairly closely. It's going to be um, a little unusual for some of you to see this or to hear this. Um, I think sometimes in our modern enlightened age, we have almost adopted a a, um, an approach of sanitized Bible study. <laughs> In other words, there's just, you know, I mean, some things you don't talk about. It's been about 10 or 12 years, I guess, ago, maybe a little more than that, I'm not sure, that I was asked by our denomination to share a sermon in our International General Assembly. It's the largest gathering we have in our church. Um, this was in the, um, I forget the name of that building in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, it's where they play basketball. I don't remember the name of it. But at any rate, in that particular sermon, I was asked to preach about holiness. And so for weeks, I thought about that. I prayed about that. I studied and I went to the very first scripture in the Bible that talked about holiness, which is where I'm going to begin today. I saw something then, and I talked about it, and I wrestled with it. And I remember going to my dad one day, and I told him about it. And I said, do you think I can preach that there? And his response was, well, I'll tell you one thing. If I'd have thought of it, I'd preach it. So (laughs) today what I'm going to share with you is it may be something you've never heard, but it is so vivid to help us understand what holiness is all about, especially as we move forward throughout the scripture and look at different passages today. So on the screen, Exodus 3.15, we're going to read this passage. There's three slides. And then Kevin, I want to come back to this one, number one, for just a moment. Exodus 3, one through five. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Then he said, and the Lord is speaking here. God is speaking from the bush. Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. First time in the Bible you read the word holy. The place where you stand is holy ground. Most of us are familiar with Moses. We we know he led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. We know he parted the sea. We know he struck the rock and the water came forth. We know about Moses. But this passage that we're reading today is is something that happened before any of that other stuff ever happened. Moses spent 40 years growing up and being taught the ways of the Egyptians. He grew up in the palace, Pharaoh's palace. And then the Bible tells us that he committed a murder. He saw some of his own people. He was born Jewish, of course, but raised in the palace. And so the Bible says that he saw someone mistreating one of his Jewish brethren, an Egyptian, and it it got him riled up and he killed this man 
for what this man was doing to his people. And then, of course, it was told abroad what had happened, and Pharaoh decided Moses had to go and was going to kill him. So Moses fled. So Moses spends 40 years in Pharaoh's house, growing up, and doing whatever he did, being taught and learning the ways of Egypt and so forth. And then he fled, and now he spends the next 40 years wandering around in the desert. Doing what? Being a shepherd, as the Bible tells us. So we find Moses was tending the flock, and he was leading the flock. Now, I've never been around sheep that much, but I know sheep are just like about any other animal, whether it's camels or chickens or dogs or whatever they are. If there's a lot of them around, there's going to be some residue. You all follow me? And Moses was tending the flock, and he led the flock, and that's what he did for a living, and he was around sheep all the time, and now he sees this bush that is burning, and the Lord calls him, come over here. And when Moses gets kind of close, he says, don't come any closer now. Take your shoes off your feet. For the place where you're standing is holy ground. So Moses had to pull his sandals off, which I would suggest to you had been, shall we say, polluted, defiled, dirty, probably had a less than fragrant aroma to them. And so the Lord says to Moses, take your sandals off your feet for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Now, I suggest to you today that the ground was not holy because well, it was not holy two days ago before this happened. The ground was holy where he was because God was there. God had chosen to appear to Moses from this burning bush. That made the ground holy. And then when he called Moses to come to him, he stopped him at a certain point and said, Now take those shoes off your feet, for the place where you are now is holy ground. And based on that, I will suggest to you that this sets a pattern that follows all through Scripture that we cannot come into the presence of a holy God with some things on our person. Some things have to be laid aside. Some things we have to cleanse ourselves of. Some things we have to do away with before we can dwell in the presence of God and be who he's called us to be. Now, this is, this is along the same lines of what Jesus did. Jesus did this often, did he not? Didn't Jesus take things that they were familiar with? Everyday things? And then teach them a spiritual truth? From something that was blatantly obvious when you would look at it, right? He did all, all kind of his parables are that way. He tells stories about things they could relate to. And then he gave a spiritual truth or an implication to it. That's what the Lord is doing here. He comes to, he, he says, Moses, come. Moses, it's burning bush and a, a, a voice comes from it and come, Moses, Moses. He walks over. Stop. Don't come any closer. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Now, the very first time the word holy is ever mentioned in scripture, and this is it. Store that away in your mind because I promise you it will be relevant as we proceed. You're going to see this again in a different passage, not with Moses, but with the children of Israel. And so we continue now. Leviticus 11, verses 44 and 45. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves. And you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt. To be your God, you shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Now, I want you to notice here, we've already established the fact that God is holy. If I'm right, say amen. amen. 
Not only have we established now the fact that God is holy, but we've also seen two examples of where the Lord says to his people, whoever he's calling unto himself, he says, and you got to be holy too. You be holy because I am holy. I am the Lord your God. I am holy. I'm wanting you to be holy like I am holy. It's already been mentioned two times here. Well, more than that in that one verse. Luke, uh, Leviticus 11, 44 and 45. We'll continue. Luke 9, excuse me, Leviticus 19, 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation. What does all mean? It means all. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation. This is not just the priest, not just the preachers, not just the Levites, not just those who offer sacrifices. The Lord said to Moses, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God am holy. Leviticus 20 verses 7 through 8. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, or I'm the Lord who makes you holy. Leviticus 20, verse 26. And you shall be holy to me again. The people, you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the people that you should be mine. We understand that, don't we? That Christians are supposed to be separated from the world. Another passage, I didn't include this one, says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. The Lord calls us to be separate from the world. We don't walk where the world walks. We don't talk like the world talks. We don't think like the world thinks. We don't do some of the things the world does because the Lord has called us out of the world to be a separate people. And he expects from us, because he is a holy God, that's his major attribute as we'll see in a few moments. Because of that, he expects that also from us. Deuteronomy 23, verse 14. Here's another one of the passages. I've, I've got to go back and read you some context on this one. I should have put it on the slide and it occurred to me afterwards. I should have done it. But uh, I'm going to give you the context for this verse. Before we read this verse, I've got to go up the previous verse and read it. Just remember what I'm reading is the Bible. And I'm going to talk to you about something nobody's ever talked to you before about in church. Let's go into the bathroom. Chapter 23, verse 12. The Lord said to his people, also you shall have a place outside the camp where you may go out. And you shall have an implement among your equipment. And when you sit down outside, you shall dig with it and turn and cover your refuse. And then he says this verse. For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp. To deliver you. And give your enemies over to you. Therefore your camp shall be holy. That he may see no unclean thing among you. And turn away from you. And there again, we have a, a physical illustration of something that, that we should take spiritually and understand that there are things in this life that will defile us. Pastor, are you telling me that there are things that we can do that will cause the Lord to turn from us? That's exactly what I'm saying. With no ifs, ands, or buts. Ronnie and Nelda, if you would come. I've asked them to help me today. I'm going to try to illustrate this because I know some of you are going, boy, your mind's going, because you wanted Pastor Ron saying the Lord's going to leave us. No, I didn't say leave. I said turn from. 
Now, we all know Ronnie Nelda. I mean, you know what? Let me come between. What? Oh, good grief. Can it not wait? <laughs> now, th- these guys know I love them. And if you've been around very long, you know they love each other, okay? So we, we understand that. <laughs> but now, you're also going to say amen to this part, too. There have been times, Ronnie, come on up and hug up now a little bit. I know y'all going to find this hard to believe, but there have been times when Ronnie Rose has irritated his wife. As I know it's almost beyond comprehension. I know, but I've seen it. You've probably seen it. When Ronnie would say something dumb, it's very seldom now, but when Ronnie would say something dumb, now, now Nelda didn't run off and leave him. She didn't leave him, but she turned. Now come on back and pout a little bit. She turned. Y'all follow what I'm saying? When Ronnie did something that really he didn't think before he did it. Several times he says. You turn for a week? No, he does it several times. Oh, he does it several times a week. And, and, and so, you know, you, you may understand it this way. Uh, Ronnie gets the cold shoulder. Ronnie, anyway, she, no supper. So, and, and Nelda won't talk. Does that ever happen? So he turns from, or she turns from him. Everybody got that picture? It's happened at your house too, by the way. I know that. Thank you. Several times a week, Tony says. You see, here's, here's what the scripture says. It says, for the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give your enemies over to you. Therefore, your camp shall be holy that he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. It wouldn't say that he would turn away from you if he wouldn't turn away from you. But I've actually got more proof than that. All I have to do is turn over to the book of Isaiah and read you this scripture from chapter, read chapter one sometime. The Bible says, bring no, this is the Lord speaking to his people, bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Did you all hear what the Lord said he would do? Do the same thing Nelda does to Ronnie. And that Leslie does to Tony. Same thing. He'll turn. You see, if we think that we can defile ourselves with all kinds of things in the world and then go before the Lord and lift up our hands and sing our songs and the Lord is pleased with everything, we're wrong. Because the Lord tells us we have to come out from among those things, leave those things aside The Bible even says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, or sanctify yourselves and do everything you can do to make sure that your life is clean and right and holy. And I don't know that this this message could ever be more important than it is in the days in which we're living right now. When you can't even turn on a radio or a TV without something that's defiling us. Putting thoughts in our minds and we're dwelling on things we really shouldn't be dwelling on. And it's, it's just not conducive to building us up spiritually at all. Is it really? Sometimes it's quite destructive, in fact. And we need to understand that the principle is still there. If our hands are dirty, I'm not talking about dirty hands because you got dirt on. I'm talking about other things. Worse things. There's, there's worse things than having dirty hands. That's a dirty heart. It's, it's having things in our lives that we know are contrary to scripture. We know better. 
and we don't do anything about it. And the Lord is drawing us and speaking to us and, and trying to woo us into himself and we keep rejecting that. And the Lord says, he teaches us all the way from Exodus, all the way through the scripture. We need to be very, very careful. Because God is holy. And he wants us to be holy. It's his people. It's important enough in Exodus chapter 30, verses 17 through 21, that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, You shall also make a laver of bronze. With its base also of bronze. For what? For washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. And you shall put water in it. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. When they go into the tabernacle of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister. To burn an offering made by fire to the Lord. They shall wash with water. Lest they what? Die. I, I think the Lord was serious about this, isn't he? He, he, he designs this piece of furniture, this, this big gigantic labor, bird bath, picture that maybe we can get the idea. It's a big wide open sea of glass, the Bible calls it in some places, where the water is spread out across it and the priests go and wash their hands and their feet before they go and minister before the Lord. Because the Lord looked very unfavorably on coming before him defiled. And so he gives them this visual, knowing that it spoke something into their heart, that it was to be taken very seriously. So they shall wash their hands and their feet lest they die. Uh, it's actually then a matter of life and death, isn't it? Sounds like it to me. It's a permanent requirement. The Bible goes on to say, and it shall be a statute forever to them, to him and his descendants throughout their generations. In other words, this is not just a passing fad, something that's unimportant. It's been a lot of times that we have gone before the Lord in prayer in our church and we have asked him to help us be able to come before him with clean hands and a pure heart, right? That's what this is talking about. Now we come to really what is our text for today. Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 7. Isaiah is able to peer into the heavens and get a glimpse of the glory of God on his throne. And we too can get that glimpse as we read this. The Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, these are angelic beings, creatures, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having, his, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged 
And if you will, Kevin, go back to the holy, holy, holy slide. Right there. Thank you. This passage in Scripture is one of two. The other is in the book of Revelation, chapter 4. And you read the same scene repeated. Isaiah was written 700 years before the time of Christ. The book of Revelation, roughly 100 years afterward. So here is two snapshots into the glory room, the throne room of God. And the same thing is happening 800 years apart. As they, these creatures, the seraphim, they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. Now, they didn't copy whoever wrote the hymn. Because that was a long time before the hymn was written. And there's a reason that it's worded that way. There's a reason we see it's actually called an emphatic Semitic triplet or Semitic triplet. The repeating of the three words. In the, in the language of those days, they would often repeat words for emphasis. The Hebrew and the Greek really didn't allow for good, better, and best. So they would repeat a word for emphasis instead of having other words to kind of make it work for them. That's why we read in the Testament, Jesus would say, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Truly, truly, I say unto you. And when you see a word repeated three times, which is extremely rare in the scripture, it's very, very important. This is the most notable of all. The angels cried, holy, 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 in both cases. The holiness of God is something, my friends, that is of extreme importance. Holiness is a big deal. God's holiness is a big deal. And the fact that God requires that we live holy is also a big deal. The scripture says in Hebrews 12 verse 14, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I might just take a look at those words in highlighted there. Holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. There's far too little talk these days about holiness. And most of the talk that you do hear about holiness runs on a negative track, where people will say something to you, oh, are you holiness? Well, my answer would be, well, yes. Isn't every Christian? The Lord requires holiness, holiness of life and holy living from all of us. It's not the name of a denomination. It is the belief of Christianity that we are supposed to live holy and it's not an option. It's a requirement. Be ye holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. It is so important it's illustrated in, in these two final passages that I'll share with you. Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. That's the last two chapters in the Bible. In the next to the last chapter in the Bible, we read these words. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. I don't know about you all, but I want to be an overcomer, don't you? But it goes on to say... Something else about the other people who were not overcomers. See, there's two groups of people being talked about here. The first one are the overcomers. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. The other group, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars 
shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Two groups. It's not hard at all for you to determine which group you want to be in, is it? It's a no-brainer. You want to be in the overcomer's camp. You want to be among those where it says, and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Can you find a more drastic difference between two groups anywhere than you find there? Well, you go to the next chapter in the Bible, Revelation 22. There again, the last two chapters in the Bible, we're confronted with this dichotomy, these two choices. Revelation 22, 14 and 15. Blessed are those who do his commandments and that they might have right to the tree of life. And may enter through the gates into the city. Wow. That's inside. Can everybody say inside? That's where we want to be. We want to be in that city. That place they were talking about a while ago. The puppets were. We want to be in heaven. But then it goes on to say. But outside are dogs. And it's not talking about chihuahuas and German shepherds. No, no. It said outsider dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. Two choices. And then we go to that final passage. We've read it once. I want to close with it now, which says in Hebrews 12 verse 14. Pursue peace with all people and then holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Our musicians and singers are coming now as we prepare to sing this closing song. Friends, holiness is important. Holiness is just as important now as it was in Exodus When Moses was told to take those filthy sandals off his feet. And if we were standing before the Lord and he were addressing us personally. If we had things in our lives that were not right. Things that defile. Things that go contrary to God's word. And he would say to us, get that out of your life. That defiles you. That's not pleasing to me. If he were to say that, you know what I think we would do? I think we'd get rid of it. I'm talking about a, a, an eye-to-eye confrontation with the Lord like Moses had. Moses, take those sandals off your feet. Because the place where you're standing is holy ground. If I were to ask you today, do you want to stand on holy ground? I think we do. I'm convinced we do. We want to stand before the Lord in right standing, living a life that he, he can, can smile upon, be pleased with. We certainly want to hear one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joys of the Lord. We won't hear that one day. Most of you don't want to hear it now. Because you're not ready to go yet. You're not wanting to go yet. But I'll tell you what. There's a little something in me. I think every day I feel a little stronger. About being ready. And knowing that one day I can hear. Being assured that I can hear those words. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. I'll tell you what words I don't want to hear. I don't want to be among that group that's talked about in the book of Matthew that stand before the Lord and said, now, Lord, I mean, just look at all I did for you. Look at the offerings I gave and look at the, the work that I did and look at the songs that I sang and look at, look at all that I did, all the wonderful works I did. And the Bible says, and he'll look at them and say, depart from me. I never knew you. 
Now that passage in that context tells me that there were people who were in the in the um, in the church environment who felt comfortable at ease, asleep perhaps, but they weren't ready to meet the Lord. They might have been going through emotions, doing some things that church people do, but when they looked into the eyes of the Lord and the Lord looked into their eyes, he said, it's not what I'm looking for. If you would, I'd like for you to stand with me and I'd like for you to sing this song with me and we're going to, we're going to close with prayer request here in a few moments. So in preparation for that, if, if you, if you'd like to just join me here at the altar, we'll sing this together and we'll pray together. We'll pray first about holiness and, and being pure and clean in the eyes of the Lord. Because when we come together and we lift up our hands and we lift our voices to the Lord, I don't want him turning away from me and please don't say Pastor Ron he would never do that because the Bible says he will and he has if I'm doing things that the Bible says explicitly are sin and I know it and I keep doing it how great thou art don't mean a thing to him amen that's why the psalmist David prayed Accept, not with an E, with an A, A C C E P T, accept. Accept, Lord, the free will offerings of my mouth. He said in another place, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, Lord, in your sight. He doesn't accept everything, He accepts what has been cleansed what is right and holy in his sight. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want from he wants faithfulness too faithfulness faithfulness is what I long for faithfulness is what I need faithfulness Faithfulness is what you want from me. Take my heart and form it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my is what I long for. Righteousness is what I need. Righteousness, righteousness is what you want from me.
is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want from me. Lord, we just pause here after spending a few moments in your word about this extremely important subject of holiness. You've laid it out so plain. Lord, we've only looked at just a few of the scriptures where the word holy is mentioned over 600 times in your word. 600 times. Surely this is important in your eyes. We pray that it would be in our eyes as well. Lord, somehow deliver us from the, the practice that is so common in our world today of thinking that we can go to church on Sunday and talk about things like this but then go right back to the same old way on Monday through Saturday until we go back to church again. Maybe through that week having defiled ourselves in, in ways that break your heart. And I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to the heart of this pastor and that you would speak to the heart of all those who have been in hearing of this word today and that you would draw us nearer to you and help us to understand that your coming is soon much sooner probably for some of us that we would ever realize or expect and when we stand before you we want to stand there righteous and holy with the assurance that we'll hear one day those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you, Lord, for the grace that saves us. But Lord, we know that grace doesn't extend when we just habitually and continually participate in and practice sin and things that defile we have to change our ways. We have to turn from our sin. We have to look to you. You'll say to us just as you did Moses. Get rid of that. Take that off your feet. For the place where you're standing is holy ground. And we want to stand there with you. In that kind of relationship. We pray that you would grant it to us. And now, Lord, as I close this prayer, it's it's my request today that you would cause this word that has been shared today from the Holy Scripture to take root in our hearts. I pray that it would be in our minds and in our hearts and in our consciousness. I pray that the Holy Spirit would use this to help us recognize things in our lives, things that we hear, things that we watch, things we participate in that are not pleasing to you. And Lord, I'm proud to say today that this church believes in holiness. We believe in your word, keeping your commandments and doing what you've called us to do. So make it real internally for each of us, we pray. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would just stand right where you are, and we're going to pray for requests now. Um, Brother Chris is coming, but I had some pass to me early. Um, and I'll go ahead and read these as you come. Uh, this is, um, it says, pray for Marty Stewart who was a friend of Joe and Lisa's at Duke University with breathing tube. Uh, he's having eternal, internal bleeding. 
uh, and they can't find out um, where this blood is going. He's needed 12 pints of blood since Friday. He's in bad shape. So if you would pray for Marty, it's a friend of Joe and Lisa's. Also, um, Joe has a friend named Mike Revis and an aunt, Ruth Revis, both of whom need prayer. So if you would remember these as we pray together. Sister Nelda texted me this morning and said that Miranda Waddle had asked for uh, traveling mercies. Her and her family are traveling. I'd um, ask that you remember my family in your prayers. Um, my mother's mom is not doing well. Um, she went to see her yesterday, and, and she said it's the worst she's seen her in a few weeks here. And we're not expecting much more time um, with her. Um, she's a faithful woman. She's lived her life with the Lord. And I just want to pray that, that God takes her peacefully um, and that she doesn't have to suffer. Also ask that you look my wife and I up um, today for a, a special prayer request. Um, got some troubling news this week, and, and we know God can take care, and He will He will be faithful to us. Absolutely. Any other requests this morning? Yes. Father, we thank you for this service today, Lord. We thank you for the spirit that we have felt here, Lord, today, God. We thank you, Father, that we can come to a place each and every week and worship you, Father, to lift you up, Lord, and hear the word, God, a true word. Father, let us be holy in thy presence, Father. As the pastor said, let us be holy not only on Sunday mornings, but Monday through Saturday as well, Father. As we know, our time is short here on this earth, and we prepare to meet you in heaven above. Lord, I lift up each and every prayer request here, Father. Lord, you know the hearts of the people that are before you today, Lord. You know the hurt, Lord, that is here. You know the pain, Father. You know the suffering, Father. But God, I know that you conquered it all when your son Jesus died upon a cross for our salvation. Not only did he die but that, but he died for our healing and for our transgressions, Father. So we put them at the foot of the cross today, Father. Lord, we don't want to carry the burden alone and we know we don't have to, Father. So we lay it at your foot, Father, and know, God, that you will take care of us all. Lord, I lift each and every person that's before me today up, Lord. Give us strength this week as we go forth, Father. Keep us safe and let us witness to our fellow uh, citizens, Lord, as we go out about the goodness of God's grace and mercy. Lord, we give you honor, glory, and praise today, for it's in your name. Amen.